Welcome, everyone, to the Hillary Ramos Show, Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit Talk Radio, dedicated to inspiring the human spirit and raising the collective vibration one show at a time. Hi, I'm Hillary Ramos. Thank you for joining me this hour. I look forward to a journey filled with inspiration, laughter, and love. I hope to travel with you every week across the World Wide Web to bring connection into your life on all levels. I send each and every one of you love and light as we begin the journey together. During our time today, I invite you to call in or email me with your questions. You can send your emails to me directly at hillary at hillaryramo.com. I will personally answer all of them, as will my invited guests, live on the show. I'm also available for private readings done by phone from anywhere in the world. You can find all of that information and much more on my radio homepage right here on bbsradio.com or by visiting my website, hillaryramo.com. I would also like to announce, everyone, that registration for my Spring Equinox Initiation Tour to Egypt, March 19th through April 1st, 2009, is now open. For more information, please call 954-972-5891. Again, that number is 954-972-5891. I will give that information out later in the show today. For now, I would like to introduce my guest, Mary Lamondo. Mary is an astrologer and an Egyptologist who has over 20 years' experience in psychology, metaphysics, and world mythologies. As an archaeoastrologer, her areas of expertise are ancient Egyptian and Peruvian cultures. Mary has lived and worked in Egypt, where she received her degree in Egyptology, and she currently leads trips to Egypt and Peru and will be our host for my Equinox tour coming up this spring. Mary currently researches the archaeoastrological, that's a tongue twister, connections between the Peruvian and Egyptian cultures. Today is the first show in a series of new monthly shows I will be hosting here on BBS Radio. Once a month, Mary will join me in discussing the astrological events affecting the individual and collective energies all around us. We have all heard about astrology, but how does it really work, and why is it important in day-to-day life? Firstly, astrology is not a religion or merely a fortune-telling device, but a highly developed spiritual science, handed down to us from ancient times, combining astronomy, psychology, and higher mathematics. With the help of a skilled astrologer, you can decode its symbolic language and use astrology as a catalyst for recognizing your own inner voice and clarifying your soul's potential. Astrology can also be used to view the general climate of the times we are living in since we are all subject to the cosmic emanations emitted from the planets, especially the sun and the moon, the two main luminaries affecting human perception and physical energy. Each month, every living being on the planet experiences the ebb and flow of the new moon and the full moon. Mary will be offering her intuitive insights on each month's planetary cycles and how they affect us personally and globally right here on the Hillary Ramos Show. Tonight we will start by discussing topics such as the full and new moon energies, Mercury retrogrades, and what they mean to you, and how the alignments affect us individually and collectively. Guys, if you would like a more in-depth personal reading with Mary, you may schedule one by calling 954-972-5891 or by visiting Mary's website, Terra. The link to Mary's website is posted on my BBS radio homepage, as well as my website, HillaryRamo.com. So let's jump right in. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Hillary, and I must say that you totally inspire me. That was such a mouthful. I give you great credit for getting all that in there. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah, and we do have a lot of fun. So 
I'm so honored to be here and um, definitely want to talk a lot about astrology because it's my passion. I think aside from Egypt, it's probably what keeps me going. Um, as far as having a cosmic cycle or a big time clock in the sky, there's nothing more energizing in the morning than to know that um, you're going to have Mars conjunct Jupiter. And I know it sounds like uh, lots of mumbo-jumbo to people who don't know astrology, but actually it's a very symbolic language. And if you think of it the way we think of perhaps like Egyptian hieroglyphs or um, alchemical magical symbols, it's actually a code that embraces a very interesting paradigm of left brain, right brain thinking. And we're using it the same way we would Kind of think of a hologram. No matter what part you look at, you're actually going to get all the whole entire piece of the puzzle. So astrology, first of all, what I want to say is not just your sun sign, even though that's very helpful. We all know what our sun sign is, and there are 12 of them. But aside from those 12 basic archetypes, there is a multiple universe out there of ways to really interpret and look at astrology. So on an everyday level, I, I definitely vouch for it because I've been doing it over 25 years, and it certainly does help in the long run. Mary, do you think that we have gotten away from our cyclic, you know, origins? I, there's a lot of information out there about people, cultures, different civilizations who are very much in tune with the astrological connections and how they applied to everyday life or to even, you know, to building a temple or putting together, you know, whatever it was that they did. Why do you think is, what do you think is the main reason why we've gotten so far from those origins? Well, I mean, first and foremost is that the actual technology of modern age really moves us farther and farther away from the stars. I mean, in the early civilizations and agrarian societies, all they had were the luminaries, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so they obviously lived closer to a very, I mean, we call it primitive, but what it is is a actually very creative, right-brained, oriented, symbolic way of looking at life. Everything had a meaning. Um, once we introduced electric lights and, uh, you know, all kinds of crazy, um, you know, modern contraptions, so to speak, we removed ourselves from the natural light and when that happened, we kind of moved as civilizations away from very primal ways of thinking. Now, there's pros and cons on both sides, but astrology in the way that um, we've inherited it, we've inherited it as a kind of like a broken down variation of what it originally is, and it was an all-encompassing science. Uh, it had mathematics, geometry, psychology, medicine, all of those things were involved in, in learning about astrology in the beginning because it was looked at as a way of life. Um, you really needed to know about the planets in terms of, even the planet, they didn't know about Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto the way we know about the outer planets today, but even as far as to know how to grow your crops and when to plant and when to, uh, you know, when the animals would go into mating seasons. And as far as erecting temples, that's another whole science that we've definitely gotten away from in modern age. And certain days and certain times, 
were looked at as windows when we were actually receiving cosmic emanations from planets and or stellar bodies. Um, we know them as the Pleiades, as Orion, as Sirius. Different cultures may have had different names for them, but they occupied the same space in the sky. And so that's what became their, um, almost as if they were getting life force directly from the cosmos. That in the modern age, um, you know, we can barely even drink the water or breathe air, let alone feel, you know, cosmic emanations. So for us in the modern day, it's still there. We're a little removed from it. And sometimes the language is more symbolic than it is actual. Um, we can go out and uh, feel the moon or, you know, being totally impulsed by, let's say, the way the sunrise was in 2000 B.C. However, it's still the same sun and it's still the same moon and we still walk the same earth. Um, it's, it's almost as if we've been stepped down a bit from all that original energy. However... When you are psychically tuned in, and that's using your right brain more than your left rational brain that says, oh, no, no, this, this can't possibly work. When you're in tune on a, on a very um, spiritual level, those emanations do work, and they are definitely um, as potent as they were, let's say, in 5000 B.C. when they were erecting those temples and pyramids to those stellar alignments. Isn't it true, too, that there, you know, when I was, the first time I was in Egypt, there was an, uh, an astrological or zodiac um, wheel, I believe, and I forget the name of the temple. I'm sure you know where that is, but somebody had come in and taken the original one out and put in, they had replaced it with a uh, reproduction or whatever you, you would call it. But um, So how did they use the wheel back then? I mean, and wasn't there, I thought I had heard something about there was originally 13 signs and it was condensed to 12. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Maybe you can, can vouch for that. Well, it depends, again, what we look at. The temple you're talking about is the Temple of Dendera, which is in um, Egypt, just north of Luxor on the Nile. And the original round zodiac that was taken from that temple was removed by Napoleon, and the original is now in the Louvre in Paris. There's a reproduction now on the temple, and it does show... Um, constellations in a very, um, uh, it's an unusual pattern and without going into a lot of detail because if you're not an astrologer it won't make any sense anyway. It shows from that particular zodiac that they were looking at a time period that started farther back than we actually um, have a historical lineage for, let's say. So according to that pattern, um, they're looking at constellations and movement of the planets that would go back to approximately 10,500 B.C. or earlier. Now, we're looking at round zodiacs as a later period during the time of the Greeks. Um, the, and this temple that we are talking about in Egypt was actually built during the time of the, uh, the Greeks. Uh, in Egypt during the time of Cleopatra. So the round zodiacs is kind of a modern invention. Um, and originally they had uh, different types of... Uh, they didn't look at astrology the way we do, as looking at a birth chart for a particular person. They looked at it as the rising and fallings of great cycles, great civilizations, looking for when the kings would rise and fall, looking for uh, how to erect 
uh, and put into utilization their tenants for the sacred geometry, how to align temples. It was more of a grand scheme. Uh, the personages who actually had personal astrology charts done were usually the rulers and the royal families or the priests of the different sects. Um, what we have perceived in modern astrology as a much more of a psychological type looking at things, and that's the way human culture has evolved over a certain time period. Um, we're looking more towards the individual, and we're also looking at great cycles, and we're looking at economic cycles and nations and fortunes and all of that. But in the beginning of, let's say, the astrological world as we know it, it was only used for um, very um, high personages as a personal astrological tool. Um, as far as there being a 13th zodiac, there were different ways of looking at astrology. Most of the early civilizations, uh, especially the agrarian or matriarchal societies, did have a lunar calendar, which would be based on a 13th month cycle of the lunar calendar in addition to having the solar calendar. So you would have three, and even in the Egyptian time period, they had a Sothic calendar, which was geared to the rising of the star Sirius, which would be when the Nile would flood its banks. They would have fertility in the land of the Nile where they could plant their crops, and that was its own uh, calendar. And actually, the new year was celebrated when the star Sirius rose, and that was probably around July 20, what would be reckoned by our calendar nowadays, around July 26th in the ancient period. So, again, we've got different types of calendars that we've looked at. Um, the fact that we go by um, star systems that have six stars, stars that have, um, you know, have movement, so to speak, from, from where we're looking at, Earth looking up. And then there's also um, the sun and the moon, which follow their own cycles. And we have incorporated all of those into a system that we know and today know of as astrology. But there's a vast uh, history of, as I said earlier, science and mathematics as well as symbology that went into the uh, making of this, uh, what I call is actually a sacred science. It is, really. And, you know, one of the reasons why I want to bring you on every month is so that we can you know, in a way, add to that honoring of the cyclic and bring people's awareness. And everybody listening out there, whether you're, you know, in the business world or the holistic world, it doesn't matter whatever you're doing. It helps to understand these cycles and how they affect us. Because, Mary, I, I, it's been my experience with even with the clients that I work with that whether they're aware of these cycles or not, they're still affected by it. And so, one of the things that, you know, one of the, the uh, intentions behind having you come, you know, inviting you to come on every month is to help everyone, you know, just listen to a generalized monthly astrology uh, intake or reading on what's going on for this month. And I really, you know, want to hear from all of you guys. So if you have questions for Mary, she will be coming on next month as well to talk about what's going on in August. And if you have something that's related to astrology, that's a general question, please send it to me through my website or to me by email. My email is on both my homepage on BBS as well as HillaryRamo.com. For those of you just joining us, we are speaking with astrologist and Egyptologist Mary Lamondo. For more information about Mary's work, our Equinox Initiation Tour, or to schedule a private reading with Mary, 
visit her website, pachatera.com. That's P-A-C-H-A-T-E-R-R-A. I always spell it because it's very hard. You never know. Or call 954-972-5891 for more information. You know, it's interesting, Mary, because um, I know you have a whole lot of information you're going to give us this uh, for the remaining of the show. So let's jump right into what's going on this month in July. Let's talk about the new moon and the full moon and how people can, you know, work those energies into their life no matter what they're doing or how they relate to it. Um, so go ahead. <laughs> You're <Yes>. on. <laughs> Thank you, Hillary. And, um, and even for people who aren't astrologers, um, everyone knows that we have a full moon every month. That's, you know, just in the general vernacular. People know that, oh, you know, crazy things happen around a full moon or, uh, you know, kind of watch when you're driving. There's a, there's a lot of nutty drivers out there. Well, you know, whatever, whatever the popular, um, you know, folklore is about the full moon, there actually is um, a basis for it. And normally um, we do have monthly cycles, and each, new, each month has a new moon and a full moon, and they're, they're 14 days apart. The new moon, and you can, you can check that on any calendar. You don't have to be an astrologer. But in general, if you know the day that the full moon falls on, it's kind of like the day where if you're spiritually inclined, um, when you do your little meditations uh, or you, have a, so you want to set a special intention on the day of the new moon because it kind of gets things rolling. It, it, there's a little extra juice from the universe that day to implement and to get things growing as if you were planting a seed. Now, two weeks later at the full moon is when things blossom. So you're either going to see uh, the fruits of your labor, um, and if something didn't work, uh, you'll know that it's time to maybe let it go by the wayside. And these are very tiny cycles, that that two-week cycle with new moon and full moon. But they fall within larger cyclical rhythms of the, of the cosmic tide, so to speak, but it's, it's a way to start. And when you, some people notice that they just feel more around the full moon. They feel more emotional. They feel more sensitive. They remember their dreams. Um, you, so if you can start to just note those two days, new moon and full moon, you just get a sense of your own rhythm. Some people feel very empowered during a new moon. They feel like they have a lot of get up and go. And it depends on what sign the moon is in. Let's say, for instance, this is the month of July, and the new moon was in the sign of Cancer. I talked a lot about the sign of Cancer in my newsletter, which we know has to do with nurturing and the family and just having a lot of your comfort zone stuff around you. So when the full moon occurs on July 18th, actually it's in the sign of Capricorn, and it's going to be at 26 degrees Capricorn at 3.59 in the morning. That's Eastern Standard Time, uh, 3.59 a.m. on July 18th. If you, can, if you can remember back to what was going on for you at the new moon, July 2nd, uh, 3rd, depending if you're living in um, West Coast or East Coast time in the United States, you'll look back two weeks ago um, from the 18th and see what, what occurred for you, what the cycle was all about. And you kind of get a feeling for how the new moon cycle works with you. Now, this full moon uh, in Capricorn has a lot to do with taking your own sense of responsibility and claiming your power. So it's every, every time we talk about astrology, there's always a balancing act going on because in the wheel there's 12 signs 
and 12 houses. And each sign has a reciprocal sign, and each house has a reciprocal house. So if Cancer and Capricorn are the new moon and the full moon, Cancer and Capricorn are opposite signs. Uh, you know, some of us who know astrology or even know our sun signs and who are good with its complementary partners and whatnot know that Capricorn and Cancer are opposites. Now, what that means, it's true, opposites do attract because they set up a magnetic attraction with each other. So whether it's just that there's an attraction physically, which very well could be, but the attraction is what I call the parental access. It's like the child and the parent. And so each one of us in ourselves is is doing that balancing act between being um, how do our needs get met um, versus being really needy, and as opposed, the other side of the balancing act is taking our own power and authority versus giving it over to someone else and or being very hard on ourselves. So it's an interesting cycle that we're in with these cancer planets this month because we have Venus in Cancer as well as, as the new moon. Um, so we are feeling uh, very, let's say, on a feeling nature this is a time where you wanted to examine what you're really being drawn to on an emotional level. Is it good for you? I mean, do you just really want to be surrounded by comfort food all the time to the, to the point where, you know, it's just not healthy for you? Um, do you withdraw into the little cancers are famous for their, um, you know, cancerian shells where they just kind of hunker down and let the rest of the world go by and really not uh, want to stick their heads out too much to see what's going on. I mean, there's always a plus and a minus with every sign, and that's one of the things that um, astrology helps us to see is what are our strengths and our weaknesses and where can we build up and where can we uh, really get ourselves motivated in terms of the challenges because we, can, we have 12 different parts in our natal chart. All the different planets are there as kind of like um, facets of one particular beautiful gemstone, which is us, which is our soul and our psyche. And how do these different facets play out? Some people may have three or four planets in one sign, so they have an abundance of certain riches, and then they need to, let's say, fill in the gap taking from other places to just really feel more balanced. A lot of times we take um, in the energy from the having people around us who are very uh, complementary to what we're doing in terms of partners or family. And so they, they help and they actually uh, fill in where we're lacking. Sometimes it's the opposite. Um, there, people have said this all the time. Well, I just really, I don't know what it is about that person, but they just really rub me the wrong way. Well, that could be that the chemistry with the signs, it's they, the signs are making challenging aspects to each other rather than the free-flowing, easygoing, harmonic shrines and sextiles. You may be living under the same roof with someone who uh, is presenting very challenging aspects to your natal astrology. And you, you don't know what it is, until you, but you learn to kind of uh, flow with it or not. Sometimes it really... Uh, good thing to do is have an astrology reading if there's someone who's very problematic, whether your workspace or even a family, uh, you know, family member. It's like if you just want to get to the crux of the problem, astrology is very helpful that way. And 
usually a good astrology session incorporates uh, some psychology. Uh, lots of different um, things come into play. It's not just a fortune-telling session. I'm interested, I'm curious, because your background is with Egyptology, how you got into astrology. Well, I was an astrologer first. Uh-huh. Oh, that's okay. That's, I think you told me that before, but I just think that would be an interesting, uh, well, that was an interesting twist, I thought, and I, I think that's very interesting. How did that, uh, when you moved into Egyptology, how did that, did that help you? Did that kind of broaden your intuitive uh, insight with the, the Egyptian work that you were doing? Well, it really went hand in hand. Um, I studied early on, um, and you know, back in the in the prehistoric days, um, I studied psychology, and that's really um, where I was basically coming from as a Jungian intern and studying Jungian uh, astrology, which is very transpersonal and archetypal. A, a lot of symbols and dream work goes into studying uh, Jungian astrology, and as a result. Um, I was also always interested in ancient cultures and something about studying Jung and alchemy and uh, the Western magical tradition, all of those things led me to Egypt. And it, 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 there was something about going to Egypt, which was a, a kind of the blending and also the, um, you know, the alpha and the omega of just about everything that I've studied my entire life. Mm-hmm. So going to Egypt just really put it all together. And astrologically, um, there there always is a correlation with Egypt and the stars. I mean, you can't walk anywhere in Egypt in looking at the temples or looking at the uh, pyramid areas. The whole length and breadth of Egypt along the Nile is, is totally calculated and totally um, architecturally devised as a mirror as above, so below. And so the heavens really uh, have a great deal to play in the ancient cosmology of Egypt. And all of their gods and goddesses resonate to to the stars in a very deep mythological um, way without going into all the esoteric philosophy. Yeah, it's really interesting how to see the difference between a culture that lives their life by astrology versus a culture where perhaps is more modern, where we talked about that a little bit earlier, you know, where we don't do that as often as, you know, our, our ancestors had. You know, it's um, interesting, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to go to break soon, but we are, I just want to make a quick announcement to everybody who is interested. We will be having a, a special free teleconference call Friday, July 11th, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, to answer all of your questions about traveling to Egypt, about our Equinox tour coming up, and what you'll experience on the tour, you are welcome to join me and Mary live Friday night, July 11th, for a free teleconference call. All of the details, the phone numbers, um, and the participant code are posted on my website, hillaryramo.com, and I hope you will join us. And we are headed to break. We are speaking with astrologist and Egyptologist, Mary Lamondo. For more information about her work, visit her website, pachatera.com, or call 954-972-5891, and we will be right back after the station break. Hey, this is Vinnie James, and you're listening to bbsradio.com. We've been down this road. 
Welcome back, everyone. We are speaking with astrologist and Egyptologist Mary Lamondo. Phone lines are open. Call us if there's something you'd like to ask Mary and I. And don't forget that this and all my past shows are archived for your convenience right here on bbsradio.com. Be sure to visit my website for upcoming events. And if you'd like to schedule a reading with me, you can also find that information there as well. As a reminder, our Equinox Initiation Tour to Egypt is now open for registration. For more information, call 954-972-5891. And we are speaking with Mary, who will be our host on that trip. And as a special reminder, we will also be having a free teleconference phone call tomorrow night, Friday, July 11th, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, to answer all your questions. So if you've ever wondered what it's like to go to Egypt, or if you're thinking about coming with me, tomorrow night we will answer all of your questions live. Okay, Mary, so let's continue on. And I want to mention, everybody, that this show is going to be monthly. 
I'm bringing Mary on as my invited guest every month to talk about what's going on in the stars and the planets for the entire month for all of us. So if you have any questions that are specific for you, please make sure you get them in to me, and we will answer them live every month on the show. So, Mary, let's continue on with what's going on this month. We talked a little bit about the new moon and the full moon. Um, is there anything else going on that we should perhaps know, something special this month or, or you know, all that good stuff? Well, I, just to reiterate, um, with the Cancer Capricorn full moon, Cancer um, new moon was July 2nd, and we are looking at the culmination of that on July 18th, which is the full moon in Capricorn. And a lot of these issues really have to do with where our roots are and where we're feeling secure. So, uh, you know, we've seen a lot in the news about um, people having food shortages, um, worrying about losing their homes, real estate issues, uh, banking issues. There, any kind of shortage or any kind of um, lack that comes up in terms of material security, that's also Capricorn uh, Cancerian issues. And really the way to um, work through those is, is to really look at how we nurture ourselves and where do we feel secure. Because, you know, when we look at the outer world, there's so much out there, there's so much fear-mongering out there that you really can't look at that as a barometer. Um, once we feel secure, and there's many spiritual disciplines that teach this, so I'm not going in going to those one by one, but it's like the idea of looking into yourself and looking for a spiritual source and a spiritual sustenance is becoming more imperative as we go on. Um, You know, the crises in the world, unfortunately, don't seem to lessen as time goes on, so we're just looking at a dynamic that's showing us how important it is to become spiritual beings in a material world. And that's the focus predominantly uh, of this full moon on a personal level. And if you want to look at it symbolically on a national level, because the chart of the United States, we are a Cancerian country, born on the 4th of July, 1776. So all of these issues are really coming home to roost um, this month. Uh, it's as if you can't get away from it in the news. I mean, you just really have to bury your head in the sand, which is not, you know, not the best of, of, the, of the ways to handle the, the energy. But basically, we're seeing more and more um, of our, of, I want to say our cultural identity as a nation coming forth. And just to talk a little bit about the chart of the United States, we have uh, in this country, the moon is in Aquarius, which is the sign of the liberated woman. It's a sign of emancipation and freedom for all. So we were founded on a uh, declaration of independence that talked about freedom, liberty, and justice for all, and also the 13 original states in a Cancerian country that said, okay, send us your, uh, you know, poor, you're weak, you're hungry, and we really were a country that welcomed that in. That's the Cancerian side of us. The moon in Aquarius is kind of, uh, you do your thing, I'll do mine, and every and liberty for all. So if we can get back to the original ideas of how we were conceptualized as a national entity, that says a lot about who we are as a national identity. I think sometimes people just really get confused with all the... Um, you know, all the different kinds of 
fears that are thrown at them out there. And, uh, you know, this, again, this is, this is a month where we're really getting back to roots. What's our source? You know, what, what is our family of, uh, light, so to speak? And, uh, sometimes we have to just really give ourselves a pat on the back and give ourselves a hug and just say, okay, you know, I'm starting, I'm starting here. I'm starting with me first and then it's all going to radiate for me, uh, in terms of, how I take care of myself is how I take care of others. So for a collective level, for somebody who perhaps is not one of those signs, you know, for mm-hmm. example, I'm an Aries. So when mm-hmm. we go, when I was an Aries and I go through this month, I'm still affected by those two signs, correct? Oh, yes, because, when, again, when we look at the 12 um, houses, the 12 spokes around the wheel, the natal chart is a wheel. It's a circle divided into 12 parts. Each person, each individual has the sign of Cancer and Capricorn somewhere in their chart. So you would be affected by where the new moon and the full moon falls in your chart. And this is true every month. I mean, if we look at the, let's say, for instance, we were looking at the um, chart of today um, and how that would affect uh, your birth sign. Well, the snapshot of your your natal chart is just as if someone took a snapshot of the sky of where the planets were at the minute you were born, standing on Earth and looking up to the sky. So it's kind of egocentric in a way. I mean, because we're we're standing here on Earth looking up and seeing how all that is just a big reflection of us down here. And it is. We're looking at an archetypal situation where the language of those particular planets and the angles they make to each other relative to you, to you being born at a certain time and space, reflect a whole uh, infinite, let's say, medley of harmonics and challenges around you as an individual. Now, it doesn't mean that it's set in stone and it won't ever change. What happens is as you grow and you learn and you become uh, you know, more evolved as a being on the planet, the challenges... You know, just like like a child, like riding a bicycle was so hard, but once you were 13 or 14, it wasn't so hard anymore. You just get on it and you ride. We're we're learning learning as spiritual beings how to ride the crests and the waves of these planetary energies. Sometimes with certain transits, um, with certain certain times planets are making angles in the sky. It, it's difficult uh, to make headway, and we learn how to navigate those. Um, and it just seems like for two or three years. You know, nothing goes right. You know, you just can't get a job. You're, you know, you, your husband leaves you or you can't sell your house. I mean, just cycles of things that just aren't happening. And then it's almost like magically, you know, the right person walks into your life. Um, you know, you have a real estate agent who gets the job done. I mean, things move. It's a green light. And so that's kind of where astrology comes in. There's cycles where you can just really push the envelope and make great strides. And then there's time where, you know, the universe is just saying, okay, you know, be a little patient right now. You know, make lemons with lemonade. Maybe, you know, maybe you're not going to get that new house, but you know what? Maybe you're going to sit tight and write a book. So you kind of get to learn how the uh, how to navigate, you know, how to just really surf those waves. I kind of use that analogy a lot with my clients. It is a lot like surfing. You have to know when it's time to stand up and when it's time to just kind of lay flat on that board. Now, it's not about giving up or becoming a victim. It's about using the planetary energies to make the most out of certain cycles because we all know what it feels like to put 
our foot to the pedal and not move one inch. And sometimes, you know, you can save you can save yourself a lot of wear and tear if you just know a little bit in advance, um, you know, how things can, the potential for things. Not how they're going to turn out because, like I said, this is not um, fortune-telling, but more likely what's the best potential route for, for it to work out. It's interesting because as you were talking, what I was visualizing was a person floating, you know, in the ocean and just kind of going with the waves. And, it, you know, astrology is like that ocean. Mm-hmm. And you're moving with it regardless of whether you're aware you're laying in the water or not, which is one of the reasons why I, it's so important, I think, to have you come on every month and talk about this because as we begin to, you know, there's a lot of talk out there going on right now about how you create your reality and your beliefs create your reality. And we, and we attract to us what we want. And I talked a lot about this last week on my show. I was talking about money last week. And it's interesting because one of the things that affects us as well is our beliefs are also cycles like this because we are all connected and everything mm-hmm. is connected. And if we could just get that concept, the way we've gotten the concept of we co-create our, our reality and our experiences and we draw to us what we want. People that I talk to all over the place are, oh, yes, I know my beliefs. I'm trying to change my beliefs. But if they don't go deeper into the core issues, if they don't try to understand the larger picture, it's not just about the mind. It's about the body. It's about the earth. It's about the, the cycles and the moons and how everything is affected because ultimately what we do when we begin to take responsibility for all of it, we realize that not only are we responsible for what we think, we're responsible for our bodies, we're responsible for our relationships, we're responsible for the earth, for our country. You know, it's interesting that we're, uh, we are the sign that we are as, as the, you know, the United States because it, it explains a lot. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels like sometimes the people in charge are really crawled up into their shells and aren't paying any attention to what's going on out there at all. Uh, anyway, that's my and feedback. well, and, uh, and I'm a cancer, so I, I can say this. Where sometimes um, the downside of cancer is that they can be very overprotective and very defensive. Yeah. And so um, that's the nice balance of having that nice uh, moon in Aquarius, which is an air sign. Aquarius is an air sign, and so it's very philosophical. It's very theoretical. It's a nice balance to having um, the emotionalism of of the water Cancerian sign. So, and even, as you said, um, you know, you're an Aries, and how does that impact you? Well, you know, we have four elements, fire, air, earth, and water. And when we look at a chart, we're also looking at the elements as well as the planets and the signs. And air signs just move ahead, uh, I'm sorry, fire signs move ahead full throttle. You know, they just, like, jump in, ask questions later. So for an air sign and or a fire sign, when you have water and earth, uh, you know, configurations going on, it's a little bit challenging for them because they're not used to being as patient as <laughs> the water and the earth signs. So Aries is like, okay, let me just go for it. You know, why, why isn't anything moving? You know, what's the problem here? And so, you know, when you look at the elements of what's going on, let's say of the, you know, the month of July, which has a lot of, uh, you know, water energy at the beginning of this month, um, after the 21st of July when things move um, into the fire sign Leo, you will feel a lot more uh, headway because it's kind of like the sun will be more, you know, in line with your Aries fire sign sun, and it won't feel so much. I mean, it's nice to have that nice 
gentle feeling of lapping in the waves, but sometimes water can put out fire. So <laughs> you, you, well, you I may feel a bit more comfortable when that, <laughs> when that Leo sun is shining. Well, thank God, because I'll tell you, it's been a month. I have to tell you all out there listening that Mary is my personal astrologist, and I talk to her all the time about what's going on. And if something in particular is just not moving, I call her or email her right away and say, what is it? And then when she explains it, it's like, oh, <laughs> that explains a lot. Well, so we're in a water sign the beginning of this month, and then we're moving into fire. So what does that mean for water signs, people who have water signs? Well, again, it's, it's very general. Um, it's extremely general. But when you look at, um, you know, we kind of get a feeling as fire is moving forward. And usually fire signs bring up more optimistic feelings. And it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter if if you're a Cancer. You're still allowed to have the, the fire sign optimism during, <laughs> during the month of July. Um, um, in general, things move quicker with fire and also with air. There's a lot of communication when things are stimulated with air. Um, we were just talking a few minutes ago, Hillary and I were talking a little bit off the, off the record there about Mercury retrogrades. And um, we had a month uh, of Mercury retrograde in June where Mercury is the planet of communication and commerce and business and a lot of things just kind of slowed down to a standstill. And people were just going, what is the matter? You know, and, and it's, Mercury does, when it goes retrograde, um, it feels like it's deja vu time, like you just redo things. So that's a time to, uh, you know, go and redo your file cabinet, clean out your closet, uh, you know, take care of editing, you know, that, you know, manuscript that's been sitting in the, in the closet for a while. You don't want to make any major, major purchases during a Mercury retrograde because what happens is that when you get it home, either you don't like it, it breaks, or it's not what you thought. So inevitably, if you're spending a lot of money on something, especially an electronic or technical gadget um, or car, wait until the Mercury retrograde is over. And the good news about um, the month coming up, um, July and August, we don't have any Mercury retrogrades to think about. <laughs> Thank goodness. Now, can you explain um, for those who may not understand what a retrograde is, what happens, what does that mean when a planet goes retrograde? Well, if we know um, as a scientific fact that the planets don't move backwards. Um, but retrograde means going back. And when we are on the Earth looking up through a telescope or just looking at the night sky, the apparent movement of the Earth and the tilt and the rotation of its axis, some of the planets seem to go backwards in the signs it Preceding. And now, one of the things that's tricky about astrology is the astrological zodiac that we talk about in astrology readings is symbolic, and it doesn't necessarily correlate to the actual um, astronomy of the sky above above us. So this is where science, astronomy, and astrology sometimes um, you know dicker a little bit. What we're thinking when we say retrograde is that the apparent motion of the planet seemingly goes backwards into the sign, the previous sign, by a few degrees. So it's appearing like to us it's going backwards, hence the deja vu feeling. Um, and if we just think of it as a symbolic meaning that once it moves forward again, the symbology is that things pick up and, uh, you know, we have forward movement and um, 
we're not waiting around for the text to come in the mail. Now, it's interesting because we know that space and time is all relative. When we get into astrology, we're locating six points and six times and six spaces in a system that's, um, as I said in the beginning, very holographic. So we're looking at a symbolic system and using it as a symbolic language to plot symbolic um, potentials. But if you ask any astronomer about it scientifically, um, they're not going to probably see it the same way that an astrologer sees it. Although, I mean, there have been studies that show that, of course, the gravitational, um, you know, pulls on the Earth during eclipses and full moons and everything do uh, affect living things on this planet. And at certain, you know, times of, of the year, um, the sun appears closer during sunsets and sunrises, and the moon appears bigger when it comes over the horizon. But still, they they do not see it in the symbolic uh, language of astrology. and They wouldn't give it the same uh, importance in, in the psychological framework that an astrologer would. So okay, so that's um, that's what a retrograde is. Do other planets other planets go into retrograde too? Most right? of the planet, yes. The only two planets that would not ever seem to go in retrograde would be the Sun, obviously, and the Moon. Um, Mercury, Venus, they all at one point Mars, they all at one time or another go into retrograde motion. And we do have uh, people who are born with their natal chart, and they do have planets that are retrograde. Like some people might, you know, a person might have Mars retrograde or Saturn retrograde in their birth chart. Does that mean that they're forever going to be um, backwards in whatever that planet is associated with? No. What that means is on a, when people look at retrograde, sometimes they impart it as a sort of uh, cosmic learning curve or, or a karmic learning curve that that person is really refining the uh, task allotted to what, say, um, Mars or Saturn or whatever the retrograde planet would be. It would be as if they were repeating that grade in school. So if you had Mars retrograde, you would be really learning and honing and getting down the uh, the retrograde Mars, which would be all about your um, modus operandi, your motivation in life, your, uh, you know, your response mechanisms, your anger, your... Uh, the way you actually act out in the world. So, you know, you may, you, as a child, maybe get Mars retrograde. Maybe you were very withdrawn. You know, maybe it was hard for you to get to what Mars means in the chart. Uh, did that, now, again, these are hard concepts to kind of wrap your mind around if you're not an astrologer, but basically if you think of it as repeating a grade, that mm-hmm. would kind of make sense. For whatever so it's kind of it like, yeah, so it's kind of like every month when we are talking, if there's a retrograde coming up, you'll talk about what planet it is and what it affects and all of that stuff so we can exactly. care. <laughs> so basically, yes, for this, let's say for this month, we've got the new moon and the full moon. Next month we have eclipses. So um, an eclipse is like a more potent version of the new moon and the full moon. And where they fall in your chart really accents that house area of your chart. It could be finances, it could be relationships, it could be um, where you live, it could be your family, it could be uh, your the way you look. Um, you know, different areas of the chart are ruled by 
those signs and where you have planets falling in those signs really highlight. And when it's, with an eclipse, you're looking at a point that's being activated either to change something completely uh, or to let it go completely. So you may find that there's abrupt endings coming up wherever that point, an eclipse point falls in your chart. Um, for instance, a few years ago, I had an eclipse point on my fourth house, which has to do with uh, home, the domestic scene. And I was very happily living um, in Orlando and a uh, yeah, great house. And the person who I was renting from said, my son's coming back from Iraq and I need the house and I'll give you two weeks to leave. So it was a rather abrupt ending with no, you know, nothing, no warning. And, um, you know, it's one of the reasons why I moved back to uh, where I am right now in Florida. So it's kind of like one thing ended so that another thing could begin. And usually with an eclipse, it's something that uh, is unexpected. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean it's negative or that you, you may come into a windfall of money or maybe, you know, somebody owe you something for, you know, the past five years and reneged on the debt and suddenly, you know, they send you the money in the mail unannounced. I mean, you, it's where it falls, the sign that it's in, and how it affects the rest of the planets in your chart. But an eclipse falling on your sun sign, whatever your sun sign is, if the eclipse is in that sign, it definitely touches something major uh, occurring in your life. So, that, so what's the date for that eclipse next month? Do you know that offhand yet? I know we're kind of jumping ahead into August, but... Um, if you give me a second, um, <laughs> I've got that file in my that. brain. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's Friday, August the 1st. So it's the first eclipse, the solar new moon eclipse, is right at the beginning of August. And it is in the sign of Leo because it's a new moon. And a new moon means that the sun and the moon are together. They're conjunct in the same sign. They can join. They're like housemates that day. And so it's in the sign of Leo, new moon solar eclipse on Friday, August the 1st. Now, the full moon in August is on the 16th of August, Saturday, August 16th. And the lunar eclipse is at 24 degrees Aquarius. Now, interestingly enough, that full moon eclipse is exactly conjunct my moon in my chart. And conjunct the new moon, the full moon of the United States chart. So it's interesting. August could be very well. We may see some interesting news about women in politics, as if we haven't seen enough already. <laughs> we may see some interesting news about uh, nations in general wanting to have liberation and freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, and because Aquarius has a lot to do with. It's ruled by the planet Uranus, which is all about surprises and things coming out of the blue. There may be some uh, surprises in things having to do with where the full moon reigns, which is uh, home, economy, domestic scene, politics, the public. Um, there may be some interesting uh, things going on. It sounds all like of the it. Above. It sounds it sounds fascinating. In fact, for all of you out there listening, uh, Mary will be on uh, uh, the show again August 7th. So mark your calendars. That's after the eclipse that she's talking about. And she will talk to us about what's going on for the month of August. We are running out of time. And I just want to let you guys know 
that if you have any questions for Mary or would like to schedule a private session with her, her number is 954-972-5891. In closing for tonight, understanding that we are all connected is the first step to healing on a collective level. By raising our awareness, we lift our consciousness to a higher vibration and it ripples outward to help lift everything around us. With every positive emotion and word we feel and say, not only to ourselves but to others as well, has a healing effect on ourselves, those around us, and on our planet. Healing means taking responsibility for our own lives, being conscious of how we walk in the world, and ultimately will show us the way to living our ultimate expressions of self. Until next time, everyone, I'm Hilary Ramo. I will talk to you soon. I send you all love and light. Live well. Namaste.